taken today from John 16, verses 5 to 16. The work of the Holy Spirit. But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I am going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to me, to the Father, is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he received from me. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you will see me again. Thank you very much, Mary, uh, for that reading. And uh, what, uh, what version of the Bible was that, Mary? Uh, New Living Translation. Um, very interesting. Good, uh, nice, uh, reflective uh, version there. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, now, um, I've started this this service on Pentecost, not the sermon, not beginning with Acts, but beginning with the Gospel of John. Um, to remind us that Pentecost begins with a promise. They begin with P. I can't guarantee you a totally alliterative sermon, uh, but Pentecost begins with a promise. It didn't come out of uh, midair. And these words of Jesus were spoken some uh, weeks and months uh, before the day of Pentecost. Um, we've recently been doing a series on the farewell discourses of Jesus uh, in John from chapter 11, uh, about 12, 13 through to 17. We did that before Easter, um, where Jesus says, I'm going to be going away. But in between this passage in John and the coming of the Spirit in Acts, uh, they've had their own equivalent of lockdown. The disciples uh, have had two dreadful days when Jesus was buried in the tomb and they thought everything was ended. Uh, then they've had the most amazing day of the resurrection when he appears to them alive, even though they didn't believe it at first. Uh, and following that day, there were 40 days when Jesus appeared in many different ways to many different people to prove beyond a doubt that he was actually alive. And then, as we were thinking about last Thursday, uh, Ascension Day, the day that Jesus left this earth for the last time uh, as a physical human being and was never seen in that form again. Um, ten days later, uh, uh, he sends the Holy Spirit 
as he promised. Now, if you add those together, the 10 days and the 40 days, you get 50 days, hence the name Pentecost, the 50 days, the, the, the Jewish harvest festival, uh, which <coughs> everybody had come to Jerusalem to celebrate. And on that very special day that God had chosen, he chooses to send his Holy Spirit. And uh, instead of being locked in a room together, here they are outdoors, and now they're communicating the gospel to everyone. So Jesus encourages us in this passage with a promise, uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit or the advocate or the counselor, or if you want to use the Greek word, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside us to comfort us. And that's another word, the comforter. Um, he gives us a promise. And, and sometimes, you know, having a promise is really important. When things are going bad, when you're not sure what's going to happen, if you've got a promise to hold on to, it gives you courage. Yes? Put your thumb up if a promise gives you courage. Yeah, lots of, uh, lots of thumbs up here. And here, here is the promise that Jesus says. When the paraclete comes, he will convict the world of guilt, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Well, that doesn't sound like a particularly good comment, uh, until he, he, a good promise, until he comes and suddenly all of the people who are listening to Peter with his first sermon uh, say, brothers, what shall I do? They realised that what Peter was saying had cut them to the heart because it wasn't just Peter that was speaking, it was the Holy Spirit speaking through him. What shall we do? To which uh, Peter replies, you should repent every one of you believe in Jesus and be baptized and that is the same message of course that Jesus came with when he first came uh, repent the kingdom of heaven is here uh, be baptized uh, and so these people who before that thought they were okay once the spirit touched them they were convicted of guilt and they realized that their own sin needed to be dealt with and then uh, when Peter comes to the end of this speech, uh, it says he will convict the world of righteousness. And Peter stands up in a great bold voice, says, you crucified him. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus is not just any ordinary prophet or teacher or rabbi. He is indeed the Messiah. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And so guilt, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And Jesus says that one day he will come to judge and condemn not people, but the prince of this world. That force that's been working against God ever since the fall has been condemned and found guilty and tried and destroyed uh, by Jesus's death and resurrection. What a fantastic sermon. What a message in this promise that when the Holy Spirit comes. But then he goes on to say, Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. I think that's a big question today. What is truth? We are, we are surrounded by so many versions of truth and arguments and people claiming to be speaking the truth, uh, whereas in fact they're, they're telling lies. Um, this Spirit of God led the, the apostles to write the scriptures. 
the very scriptures that we're reading today that, that Will and Judith have been translating from their original languages in Greek uh, and uh, Aramaic uh, are, uh, were, were written down by these same people who were standing here in Jerusalem uh, 2,000 years ago. The scriptures give us the truth, but it needed the inspiration of the Spirit to remind those apostles and, in, and, and lead them to write down what we have. And the same Spirit guides the disciples to walk in the way, to live our lives according to the Spirit and not according to our personal desires. And so even today, if you follow the Holy Spirit, then he still speaks to us today. And he's got more to say but he's a God not only of words, but a God of actions. Uh, the uh, Holy Spirit will speak what he hears. Uh, it says, God still speaks today. I don't know if you believe that, but he does. But we always need to test what he says against what he's already said in the scriptures and other promises. And finally, the Spirit comes. He's going to bring glory to Jesus. On the day of Pentecost, they weren't jumping up and down, worshipping the Holy Spirit. They were jumping up and down, worshipping Jesus and glorifying Jesus and saying how Jesus points us to God. Uh, and so there's a wonderful picture in this passage of the Trinity at work. The Father has sent Jesus. Jesus and the Father have sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, points back to Jesus and to the Father. That's the Trinity in a kind of a dynamic relationship uh, of action. And so the day of Pentecost, which has been promised in John's gospel by Jesus here, the day arrives. And the Holy Spirit comes and he fills all of the disciples. And I'd like to refer you to Acts chapter 2. And I'd like you to look in your Bibles how often these words appear. All, each, every. Let's just have a look. Uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. Um, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Um, but then uh, when the crowd come, each of them hears God speaking in his own language. Um, do you get the picture? This is not about a select few who uh, are chosen to receive this special uh, privilege. It's about God who pours out his spirit on all people. That is to say, all people who ask, who believe and want to receive. There's nobody left out. This is a fully inclusive day uh, as the Holy Spirit fills all of the disciples and none less than Peter. And here's Peter, who only 50 days before has denied that he ever knew Jesus. He's a broken man. Um, He's been restored by Jesus on that wonderful opportunity by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, but he's a broken man. He used to be called Simon, but now he's Peter the Rock. Do you get that? He's been given a new name, uh, Simon Peter the Rock. And it's Peter who stands up and gives the most incredible sermon that's ever been preached. 
Now, if you want to be um, a preacher, you need to study the scriptures and, and probably you need to go to college and do some study um, to make sure that you understand and you learn the techniques of preaching and all that kind of thing. Peter's had none of that. But he spent three years with Jesus. He's, he's been a, uh, he was brought up as a Jew, so he's learned the scriptures as a boy. But now the Holy Spirit comes on him and he becomes the most effective preacher that I've ever heard. 3,000 people respond to his message in one day. That's pretty good for a broken rock. And as he stands up to speak, he explains Pentecost. Uh, he says, let me explain to you what is happening. And like all preachers, good preachers, he starts with the word of God. He starts with a passage from the Old Testament, um, the book of Joel. Now, we don't know exactly when Joel was written, but it could have been between sort of 800 and 750 years BC, possibly in the time of King Joash or King Uzziah. So he would be roughly the same time as the prophet Isaiah, a long time before uh, Jesus ever came to the earth. And Joel writes this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Here it comes again, all people. What a promise that is. Let's just have a look what all people is. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So he starts with the young ones. So if there's any young people listening today, it's you. Don't think that the only people who can prophesy or who can be filled with the Spirit are old people, mature people. No, your sons and your daughters. He starts with the young. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And, and I've been reflecting on that little bit this morning. Uh, you know, uh, I'm coming to the point where actually I'm becoming more of an old man who's going to dream dreams rather than a young man who's going to have visions. And as you know, uh, in a month's time, I'm due to retire because we've all got our place. There comes a time when old people, uh, not that I'm that old, you know, but <laughs> when older people have a different role, but God uses old people and we never writes anybody off. Whether you're old or you're young, you're not written off. Even on my servants, both men and women. Look, this is not a gospel, which is just for men. It's for the women. And this is uh, 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 that has come out of a, of a very uh, um, sort of male orientated society. And yet the, the, the spirit is not just for men. It's for men and for women. And it's for servants. It's not just for kings and leaders and priests. The Holy Spirit or, or prophets, the Holy Spirit is poured out on everyone, regardless of age, regardless of social status, regardless of gender, um, all. I think, have you got the point? <laughs> that the Holy Spirit is actually for everyone. Mm. I had to take a breath after that. Sorry about that. So what is the result of this incredible sermon? Well, the Holy Spirit is at work not only in Peter, but he's at work in the hearts of the people who are listening. Uh, not just the preacher, but the audience. And, and from the preacher, he's enabled him to remember that scripture, to apply it and to bring it to people's lives. But the people in the audience are convicted of their sin. 
they they are converted from a non-understanding to an understanding he's opened their minds uh, they are brought to a point of repenting of turning not a, not only away from the things that are wrong but towards the things that are good repentance is more about turning towards a new direction than it is about turning away and it's about discipling becoming disciples learners uh, being taught by the spirit and the scriptures to follow jesus but when the spirit comes he brings gifts now we haven't time to talk about all the different gifts that the holy spirit brings but today he's given the gift of speaking to peter he's given the gift of tongues to all of the people who uh upon whom the spirit came on that occasion he gives the, the gift of, of prophecy he gives the gift uh, there are many gifts but i want you to know that the holy spirit does not just give gifts which give you an ecstatic experience he brings gifts of wisdom and as we were thinking last week uh, wisdom is something that we all need and, and i've had to say this week uh, uh, in many many hours of interviews on the phone uh, on on this living computer thing lord give me wisdom give me wisdom for this decision that has to be made that's one of the gifts of the holy spirit and we keep to we need to keep asking for that but the spirit also brings fruit you know there's some very gifted people around but if they don't show fruit in their lives you know what use is that gift they become as paul says like a clanging cymbal or a sounding gong all noise and no action actually there needs to be fruit that new disciples need to build up the fruit of the spirit love peace joy patience faithful faithfulness gentleness so I, I can't remember them all in the order uh, uh, but you know them and self-control being right at the end that's the fruit of the spirit which we which we develop when we are mature now i'm looking out of my window here at a very strange tree um we have a cherry tree in the front garden um but uh this morning while i was just getting ready to to start this program i, I was out putting karen's types all over the branches of it now if you come past uh my house you you, you will see maybe we've got a tight tree not a cherry tree now the reason is those cherries are beginning to go red and and i know that as soon as they start to go red the blackbirds and the black caps and and the birds will have them all and we won't have any so basically as they become mature uh, we will be able to eat them uh, and we'd like to eat a few so i put some old types of karens bless you you can have some <laughs> new ones dear um, um on so that we can actually eat that fruit and that is so important we need fruit What's the application for this? Fivehead Baptist Church, um, we are a point in our in our a new chapter uh, coming up in the in the history of the church and the life of the church, and this is especially a point where everyone will need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just the deacons, not just um, the pastor, and in the period when you don't have a, one person who is the pastor every person will need to be filled with the holy spirit to use all the gifts that god provides which his church needs to grow um 
And so in a moment, we're going to be sharing uh, a covenant together where we are able to ask God to fill us, but promise to God and to one another that we are going to be committed to this church and to the work that he wants to do here. And I hope that, uh, that many of you will feel able to say those prayers together and feel that you truly belong. Actually, your church needs you. You remember that old advert um, in, in the American? Your, your country needs you, you know? Uh, actually, the Holy Spirit says, I need you to be part of this body of Christ. Now, as I sit here as well, I'm not only looking out of the cherry tree with tights over it, but I'm looking and I'm looking um, at something on my shelf, which has been there ever since I came into ministry. It's a teapot. Now, um, when um, Karen and I were on a church weekend holiday uh, with our church in Bromham, before I came into ministry, we had a very good speaker who was there that weekend. And he was saying about a teapot. And he said, a teapot has got a big hole in the top. And it's got a little one in the spout. Now, if I'm going to make a cup of tea, I've got to pour the water into the big hole at the top. And... I've got to pour it out of the spout. So if we're going to serve in ministry, uh, we need to be filled through the big hole at the top as we pour out. Or um, as the, the, the evangelist Moody once said, uh, I need to be filled because I leak, actually. And um, do you know, um, there's a particular story behind this teapot. Um, my mum gave me this teapot. <coughs> about the time we announced that I was going to train for ministry. And she said, if you're going to be a minister, dear, you'll need a big teapot because you're going to be pouring lots of pots of tea, lots of cups of tea for lots of people. Uh, that's what ministers do, you see. Um, so uh, my mum bought me this teapot. Um, but some time ago, before I came into ministry, actually, Karen was washing it up, should have been me, and um, actually, she dropped the lid and it broke. Oh, the teapot that my mum gave me. She broke the lid. But do you know, um, on that weekend, as we were praying afterwards, and we'd heard about how we need to be like a teapot, a vision came to me of a teapot in my head. And it wasn't any teapot. It was this teapot, a teapot without a lid. Uh, my friends, we need to be teapots without lids. We need to be able to take the lid off, smash the lid, so that God can fill us with his Holy Spirit, so that we can then pour out in ministry. And that could be all kinds of ministry. It could be really painful ministry. It could be very patient ministry, 25 years to translate a Bible. You're going to need to be refilled many times if you're going to keep on with that kind of work. The church needs everyone to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I thank God that although I've dried up many, many times, he's always the one who fills us. He is my never failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace.